Hello, my fellow Brappentonians, and welcome to Brap Talk. This is a weekly podcast where we discuss the happenings of the motorcycle industry. I am your host, Jensen Beeler of Asphalt and Rubber, and joining me on this two-wheeled adventure is the magistrate of Multistradas, Mr. Shaheen Avandi! How do I put that on the license plate? Magistrate of Multistrada. Yeah, that's going to be tough. Just uh, MOM? You're going to need to get like one of those European license plates. The super long ones? Super long, yeah. So what I need, I think, is probably like one of those, like a little winglet in the back of the bike. Mm. And then it goes in the back of that. And then that way I get extra downforce for the times I'm going over 99 miles an hour. You could start it on the left pannier. Do the middle bit through the license plate and then finish Ooh. it on the right pannier. I like that one. Yeah, that could <laughs> license work. License plate just says OV. Yeah, it's just oh, just a couple letters, oh, like an awkward spacing. <laughs> Explaining that to Oregon DMV is gonna be really tough. But so here's how it works: it starts from the left side of the bike and it goes all the way to the right side. So what I need is a couple of two tree letters in the license plate to make it work out for me. Capiche? Yeah, I don't you think see them. I think that'll work. I don't see them getting on board. <laughs> I just, feel like do we do we have anyone that listens to us that works for DOT? Oh, I definitely want to have a conversation with them. Right? Definitely. Yeah. What the fuck are you guys doing over there? Uh, wow, that's a that's a whole how it's many like how a, many like podcast no episodes? <laughs> just woo, going crazy. I would love I would love to have like a sit down conversation, like like get you drunk conversation. Like I want to know what's going on. Okay, like, if you work at the it's DOT, not it's not working right. If you work at the DOT, whiskey's on me. We need to talk true because that has got to be a hard job too yeah you, like, there's maybe, no way that that's an easy okay one thing. whiskey during the show and i'll give you a bottle to go yeah I, I didn't say anything about being expensive whiskey but you know whiskey's whiskey that's not true at all <laughs> someone's gonna write some hate letter in a minute i come from a microbrew whiskey distillery thing and i did not like what you said on the podcast about whiskey and this is four things about whiskey you didn't know and if it's not sir, in sir. a Sir, sir you're listening for the years. wrong you're you're listening for the wrong reasons, sir. Sir. Person. Stop I will it. say we get some interesting mail sometimes. I like our mail a lot. It's yes. like ninety nine percent positive, and then the rest of it is just funny. We brap talk at gmail.com, by the right. way. Get on it. It's it's a hoot and a holler. I, I get a lot more on the Instagram, the at brap talk. People love sending us pictures and I do not like talking to people on Instagram. I don't mind. Like it. you message me on Instagram and I'm like, what, Ugh, why? what are you doing? Even worse is Facebook. The, well, the problem with like Instagram talking. is if we don't follow you, then it goes in like this under requested. Yeah. And like we get like five actual listeners and then 15 like Russian models that are like, hey, baby, you want to see titties? Would you like boob? <laughs> Do you want boob in face? You bring me to America and I will show you my vagina. Might be radioactive. Don't know. You touch. Chernobyl is a long, long time ago. It's uh, no bad for you anymore. Oh, they just had that thing blow up the other day. What thing? You don't read this in the news? Oh, I don't read the news. I've been studying, man. Oh, no, they had a um, at one of their missile testles. Missile testles. I like missile testles. Missile testles. Uh, doctor, I need you to look at my missile testles. What is in this Gatorade? Good the, the left one's a little bigger than the right one. Thirst the missile puncher my ass. G2. Oh, you got the G2. That shit's Low probably sugar. got CBD in it. Yeah. Um, no, their missile testing facility, they had like a, a radioactive spike and it came out today. Like the missiles are powered by some sort of 
radioactive drive or whatever. Nice. Yeah. It sounded super sketch. We're all working really hard to make the world end as quickly as possible. Oh, Being flat now. Oh, you want to know what's fun? What? So I just got back from Crater Lake. Super fun to go to a national park and talk about how the earth is flat. Super fun. Wait, what? Who are you talking to? <laughs> I don't know. We kind of just started some shit with this couple next to us. <laughs> don't ask. I'm a horrible human being. Were you trying to prove to them that the world's flat or the other way? <laughs> oh, no. Like, well, I, have, I have a friend at home who's got really fucked up tires on his motorcycles. I'm pretty sure he thinks the world's it didn't, flat. It didn't start there. It ended there. It started with, oh, this is just, they were just, they were of the belief that the earth was only like 6,000 years old. That's a lot older than I thought and you were, were going to say. You know, because like you get like those national park plaques and are like, this rock is over 400,000 years old. Or it was something that was 400,000 <laughs> years old. And they're like, well, I can't be right. The earth is only six. Did they show up in a fucking horse and buggy? It, you just, you just, I mean, that's just where you start. And you're just like, and it ended with flat earthing. And it just. How did you and a scientist just, end I'm up sorry. next to these people? I'm just, I'm sorry. Are you? No. <laughs> Don't lie to me. I mean, it's one of those things like, hey, if you want to think the earth is 6,000 years old, that's fine. That's fine. Go for it. It doesn't hurt me. <sighs> but it's, at least it's not going to work out so great for you in the long run, but it doesn't hurt me. The funny part is the part that they were pointing out to this 400,000 years old is probably like the very, 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 very top layer. I think that's when the volcano collapsed. No, that can't be right. Is Crater Lake a volcano? Yeah. So Crater Lake uh, so is a volcano that like erupted and then collapsed in on itself oh. like a dying star oh. and then has filled with rainwater and snow melt to the point that it's now a lake. And then there's like a little baby volcano in the middle of it called wizard Island. Mm. Yeah, it looks like a wizard's hat. And it happened recently enough that like native American tribes have record of it collapsing. Mm. And then it was kind of timed before uh, like an eruption near Mount Shasta. And there's like this whole like, underworld deity versus normal deity they were fighting on the two mountains oh. it was an interesting story fascinating but um four thousand years ago though or six thousand i forget what the four hundred thousand came from um bad tourist but i mean that clearly wasn't the i would have forgotten all facts had i spoken to those same couple i mean like well <laughs> i don't care about what i read anymore no i walked away feeling Tell me more people like they just suck the intelligence out of me <laughs> Just, I mean, national parks are awesome. I love the park system, but it's open to everybody. Mm -hmm. Everybody. I was in the bathroom and I looked down. And there's like this giant loogie, loogie just right in the middle of the bathroom. Some dude just spit while he was taking a pee. Just missed like, the. Like who spits inside a building? I always have the same question, but not about spit, but like pubic hairs. Why? Why are you pulling that shit out while you're peeing? I mean, that could fall out. Really? I mean, maybe. I mean, they first fall of all, out. this is 1975. They, Why they, do you have so much pubic hair? They fall out over time, anyways. Like <laughs> the odds are there that the, one of those instances is going to be near a bathroom. God I kind of get it. You're going to play around with your junk. It's going to shake something out. <laughs> I, I get. It. I, don't, I don't fault someone for that. That that's the cost of doing business. <laughs> that's just the that's just the price for the ticket. But who's the moron who's got his hands on his junk? Who's dropping pubic hair all over the urinal? Who's just like, <laughs> I got lost lava right now. This is really working up. A I ain't going to put that where my pee goes. I'm just gonna. I'm just going to spit, not into the toilet, not into the most <laughs> obvious thing I could probably spit into or just hold my spit or swallow it or do something. But no, I'm just going to spit on this floor. The only way it could have been worse is if it was carpeted. Ugh. 
carpeted bathrooms just give me this special oh, kind of right. yeah. GB. No, that's just. I've been in a couple in my life, and uh, every time I'm like, well, gotta wash my entire body now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure it's super clean. Hey, welcome to Brap Talk, where we talk about other things than motorcycles. Uh, weekly. Well, I'm a little, okay, fair enough. Almost never a weekly podcast. We haven't seen each other in a month. Almost, yeah, at least. Like, well, I've been missing some vitamin J. I, I, who are you? Get out of my house. I don't know. Just stranger danger. I do appreciate that you opened the garage for me and then you closed it <laughs> behind me and then the door was locked. I'm like, hello? And I forgot about that. I was like, oh, I heard him coming. Oh, I'm going to make this super easy for him. He's going to get right out and he can walk right through the garage. Nope. <laughs> Lock the garage door. You know what I did too? I, I opened the, the door to your house like it was open and just fucking walked into Bonk. it. <laughs> I just sat there like this motherfucker did that on purpose, and that's one of those those metal fire doors. That's uh-huh. serious. Oh, it's it's. I weigh two hundred fifty pounds, and that fucking thing just bounced me back. Like, yeah. nope, not today. Little bouncer at a club. Uh, excuse me, sir. You did not say the appropriate mm, password. I don't see your little special thing around your wrist. You got to get the fuck out of here. <laughs> your name's not on the list. I just all I imagine was you. Then the garage, the big garage door closed and locked, and then jigsaw comes out. Poison gas, or poison gas. Yeah. Welcome to Jensen's house of games and fun. You have 23 seconds to figure out how you're going to survive. (laughs) The key is inside your body. You have to saw off your leg. We will not tell you where it is. Figure it out. You ever done one of those? um, I was going to say panic rooms. That's something different. I know uh, what you're talking about, like the like the escape room escape things. Room, yes, I have. It is That's so like much fun. That's the exact fun. opposite of a panic room is an escape room. <laughs> it is because <laughs> you can actually get out of this one. Um, no, we had a, it was a team building thing we did at the motorcycle dealership that I worked at. Yeah, and uh, my team won handily, readily, handily, some kind of. Or did like you guys divide the dealership up and yeah, teams, like different teams, dummies versus smarts, and the dummies did, won. Did everyone get out? It took the other team like 25 extra minutes. Like at one point, we were wow. just sitting there like, can we give them hints? Please, I want to go home. <laughs> I saw on the other day, it was just like a storefront with a curtain. I was like, that's an interesting business model. It's So it's neat because from the outside, most of them look pretty nondescript. And then you go inside, you're like, oh, so it, where do we do the photographs with the kinky? Oh, oh, wrong place. It's like, yeah, I was going to say, it's like the massage parlors in Italy. Except without the cameras outside? Yeah, they have like all the cameras. There's like no windows. And if they do have windows, they've got those those plastic graph, those vinyl graphics uh-huh. on them. And you just can't see. And you're just like, I don't think you're really a massage parlor. Come to Tony's house of gnocchi. We'll roll your gnocchi for you. Hey. Uh, motorcycles. Um, tell me. <laughs> Tell me what you've been up to. Dude, what have you been up to, Shaheen? <laughs> give me out, give me out of this segment, Shaheen. We were like twenty minutes into Jesus the show. You know what it is? It's because I rode here in like utter complete heat, and it took me fifty-five minutes to get here. And you live seven and a half miles away. You from want me to start? I can give you. a... You can hydrate while I talk. I'm drinking whiskey. I don't think this is considered hydration. I'm doing the opposite right now. I'm just getting angrier. Um, well, you know, um, I've been doing the moto camping thing. So I, I put on those tires on the bike. That, I know, I know. So I put on those tires on the bike. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I promptly took them on a non-off-road adventure, just riding down to in and out to the bottom of Oregon and coming back. So, which is probably fine because it probably took off like 0.1% of the tread. I don't even think it did that much. Like there's still nipples <laughs> in the tires. Is that what you're supposed to call them? I don't know what the name of those little release things the are. Little, the little, little hair things? Little hairs, little tire hairs, little stubble. They don't strike me as a nipple. Some people call it the nipple. I'm like, yeah. what kind of nipples are you looking yeah, at? What in your nipples life? are you doing? That ain't right. So, anyways, those were still on there after 500 miles of riding, 90 plus miles an hour. That ain't right either. That's not right either. But I will say this Ma. much: they had lots of good grip, uh, which was crazy. Um, the those really narrow. What tire are these again? 
You're going to make me say it, aren't you? Yeah. <sighs> the Motaz Tractionator uh, Adventure. Tractionator. Tractionator Adventure. That's from now on, that's how you say it. You have to do a voice when you say that. Tractionator Adventure. Yeah, so they're like the 70 30 tire? But it's like 70 off-road, 30? I don't know. I just like, bought I like how you're like, I just bought the thing. Don't look at me. Like, they're a zero-zero <laughs> tire on mine. You don't use those for anything. <laughs> you No, you use them to, like, hold things down. You could hold your tent down during track days. They are that heavy. Mm-hmm. I can't tell if you're helping or hurting this company. I don't either. Um, no, I will say this much, though. So I rode them on road really, really fast. And then I came home and somebody was like, did you know these things are only rated to 89 miles an hour? And I was like, fuck, I did 110. Um, <laughs> you can do it. It's just I don't think they're they're probably not cross ply there. There are. I don't know if they are or not, but I, I, I ended up reaching out to Motaz and they're like, no, these are rated to 116. You're fine. OK, sure. If you guys say so. Gulp. Um, but then this last weekend, we went to the beautiful state of Washington and rode around, um, well, we attempted to ride around Mount St. Helen, which is the other volcano that erupted only 30 years ago. Yeah. Um, by the way, if you live in the Pacific Northwest and haven't seen Mount St. Helen, go. It's epic. I haven't really gone up there. Without, that was the thing we were talking, because I just went to Crater Lake and our right. backup plan was Mount St. Helens because- Much closer. Such a noob. I've ridden- up to that area on the bike but i haven't gone into the park there's just good riding around there yeah i mean you've probably done the what they call the windy ridge ride which is kind of starts on like the east side of it and works its way to the northeast uh side. i was more south i was like through cougar i ended up in trout lake white Sand. oh you area. did you did like 503 or whatever yeah i got family lived out there so got i went it. i took the long Either way, way beautiful like yeah. oh yeah lake merrill and whatever it is right below it yeah. it's just unbelievably pretty over there we decided to just, you know, do the whole BDR type thing and just hit all the non-paved roads. Over there, I've learned that they, instead of like whatever we're used to as gravel, I think they just take like lava rocks and then smash them. And then they use these ultra sharp, giant, like fist-sized rocks as gravel. And so we're like, that sounds right. Dude, it's insane. I've never ridden on anything like that because I, it's either fresh and super soft and your tires just dig into it. So you got to get the front end light and just give it all the guts you got to go through it. Or it's really, really well packed. And then every so often there's like what looks like a knife's edge sticking out. And so I was like, we're going like 60 miles an hour through one of these at one point. I'm like, one of us is going to about to get a puncture. There's just no two ways about it. Got to keep you on your toes. Yep. So we did the whole thing. And I will say this about my Motazes. Dude, they barely look like like one tiny little gash on one of the knobs. Knobs is all I got. Unbelievable. They gripped like crazy. They lots of lots of grip through the like wet, sticky, not sticky stuff, whatever they had, like mud. It went through it really, really well. So I'm pretty impressed with that. I've put about a thousand miles on that tire now, and it still looks brand new. I don't know why. <laughs> Look like there's still those little nipples on there. Um, also, uh, learned a couple of things. Um, bring a saw. Bring many saws. Bring as many saws as you have people, because there's trees down. And so we've got our pull saw, which is awesome, which looks like a looks like a giant switchblade, and it's got little saw teeth. It's like 12 inch blade and you just push it with your hand, which doesn't do anything. And then you pull really hard and it cuts really, really hard. And like we cut through a 10 inch tree, like in three minutes, which was awesome. And then we were able to go forward and find out the road was destroyed in front of us. We had to turn around anyways, but, uh, definitely get a saw and, um, yeah. 
Do you think maybe those trees were across the trail so you wouldn't go down it further? Where no, no, this looked like out? this looked like a wind breakage, like just a really uh, sloppy break. Uh, okay, but we did go down another uh, what, as my friends call, primitive trail, and it was just lined with trees that were down. We're like, this looks like sabotage. Mm. So we'll try and go through it, anyways. And we, one of the guys walked down there. And was like, nah, it just gets worse. <laughs> Turn yeah. around. I've seen that a couple times where like the loggers or whatever happens, and you're just like. I feel like this was done for a reason. Like I'm not sure what that reason is, but it was definitely done for a reason. So there's a bunch of gates out there at Mount St. Helen because a lot of that land is logging land. It's all rented out, leased out to loggers. And man, they are serious about keeping you out. Like there's multiple signs and it says in giant bold red letters, non-motorized vehicles, not allowed, blah, 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 belongs to such and such logging company. Keep out. And then there's gates and they lock the shit out of the gates. And <laughs> we must have come across fuck eight nine gates within a couple hours and it's like you ride for 10 15 miles down this crazy path and you're like damn it i gotta turn around and do this all over again okay let's try this one um so that's the only downside of mount st helen riding i hadn't seen that kind of gated area anywhere else but this is a really really sort of active logging area still hmm. <clears throat> people's trying to make business by cutting down trees and building houses and shit sounds like fun though yeah it was good good times just three of us this time you know rode for about Eight hours, slept for about 10 because we're old and like to sleep. Woke up to some rain, which wasn't bad. It was very peaceful Pacific Northwest rain. Mm-hmm. And then I thought I heard a bear, but I think it was my friend snoring. I'm not sure. I don't want to know. You There's a lot of bear shit around our campsite. We found that out the next morning. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You were. Yeah, it was definitely like. <laughs> yeah. You got like oh, it was a burrito last night. I didn't even knew it. Yeah. <laughs> that could have been bad news bears. You didn't know you were sleeping in the outhouse. <laughs> right? Seriously. <laughs> Wake up to go pee. I'm like, what? Who pooped here? Well, that's a lot of it. And one of the guys goes, oh, that's bear shit. Great. That's like 10 feet from my cat tent. Neat. How did you not smell it? I've, it smells like pine out there, man. That's all I smell. That's why you use pine scented shit for your bathroom. You don't smell your shit. Yeah. I, I mean, I've definitely smelled bear shit. You, <laughs> you, you, you should see a doctor. That's all I'm saying. I, you know, I have a very sensitive olfactory, but clearly I am anti-bear shit. It's like the asparagus. <laughs> it only affects X amount of people. Yeah, certain is? people smell it and some people don't. I think you, maybe you just don't have the bear shit, Jane. Have you ever met someone that's not affected by asparagus? Yes, I have someone in my really? family. I have never but in my life. They are also one of those liars that think they have a gluten allergy. Oh. Well, I mean, that is a real allergy no, for not. some people. Nope. No, it's not. It is. I've That's seen it in a very fake. Uh, very fake. It's like fibromyalgia to you, isn't it? It's, I don't know what that is, but probably. It's the thing where your entire body hurts all the time. Oh, yeah. That's fake, too. <laughs> it's fake disease. My eyes hurt. I love that 2019 has so many fake diseases. You're going to get so many hate mails from this. Oh, it's fine. <laughs> welcome to my, welcome to my Tuesday. Celiac is a real thing, you son of a bitch. <laughs> I had a roommate in law school that had celiac. It looked miserable. Mm-hmm. just miserable he had to buy all this special food every month he got a box of food oh. and that's all he ate oh just this miserable At least nowadays they figured tasteless. out what you can and what you can't eat this is now 2019 so yeah this is this i is mean like, if you don't like to eat gluten just say i don't want to eat gluten because i don't want to eat gluten but if that shit gives you a fucking migraine then stop the same person that's got the asparagus thing they're like well this is like well i got gluten allergy and you're like do you really or you just don't like eating gluten or like sometimes your st- stomach gets sick when you have italian food and you just kind of sit there and just like, I think you're just fussy. Could it be all that butter you eat? I think you're just Karen? fussy. I know you want to be special, but I think you're just fussy. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. It must be great that we have like a, a thing that we can point to and say, oh, well, I've got this. Eh, I think you're just fussy. I've got, I'm trying to think of what I've got. 
I got nothing. I just don't like turnips. Fuck those things. Yeah, like, it's like me and berries, pickles. Oh pickles. You pickles. don't like pickles. I don't like pickles. That's right. You always get them without your wait. Super gross. You get your burgers without pickles. But I'm not gonna be like, oh, I'm allergic to pickles. No, I'm not. I just think they're gross. Maybe that's a nice way of saying I don't want it, and you don't have to hurt the other. Like you don't have yeah, to sound no, like a no brat. No one's gonna argue with you about yeah. it. Oh, oh, well, you should try. It. No, these pickles are the really good pickles. They're, if you don't like other pickles, you're gonna love these pickles because these are special pickles because they were pickled in special pickle sauce. That is my favorite thing that people that when they find out you don't like a yeah. certain thing say to you. You've never had the way I've cremated yeah. for you though. But if you say no, I'm <sighs> allergic, then it's like ah, oh, that shuts that. Yeah, just shuts sh- sh- that down real quick. Stop it. Stop about bullshit. turnips. I don't want to eat your bull. turnips. It's like every kid is like. ADHD apparently. You're like, I'll, no. I'll try some turnips if you try some pickles with me next time. Nope. I can't. Even. That's not a fair trade. Nope, it's not. Because I'm not like big on turnips either. But I eat a turnip. Ugh, I don't why? like them. Ugh. I don't like them. I'm just not gonna eat it. Ugh. Berries, like I don't like berries, but I like eat a berry. Well, you don't like, like any berries? I'm just not big into it. Wow. I'm not like against it. Like if if, if so many antioxidants. If, like, or, the apocalypse or so I've came and I can only survive on berries, I'd be fine with that. That's fine. You guys thought you were gonna listen to motorcycle shit today, didn't you? Yeah, man, it's that's the thing. It's been so long, Shaheen. Like, I'm just looking at this this list of stuff to talk about. This is fire beware. Like, Don't like, let Shaheen and Jensen not see each other for close uh, to a damn month. We're just not gonna get through. We got a lot to catch up on. The thing is, when we see each other, we were like, we have this sort of spoken gentleman's agreement not to talk until we start recording. Because what if something comes out? You're like, ah, you motherfucker! Good. You already it could let be it podcast out of gold. Yeah, exactly. You don't know. <laughs> and so far, I found out that you don't like berries or pickles. You knew the pickle thing though. Yeah, that's true. But you found out apparently I can't smell bear shit. <laughs> so I'm useless. If you go to the, to the woods with me, you think there's bears? I don't know. I don't smell any shit. <laughs> yeah, well, you're stepping in it, motherfucker. <laughs> Hope you got a gun. Nope. Don't like guns. <laughs> I was Great. talking about that. I was talking about that when I was camping. I was talking about camping in Alaska. You got to have a gun because grizzly bear shows up. Oh, yeah. It's just, you got to have a gun. Or polar bear, worst case. Those things will fucking eat you. Yeah. That's like way up north, though. You got it. Yeah, that's too yeah, far north. Yeah. That's showing too, up that's there, too and, far. You're showing up and seeing one of those, you're like, "Oh, it's cute." Turn, turn right around. Just go home. <laughs> club your baby seal and go home. Oh no, go clubbing with baby seals. It's a dance thing. Oh, yeah. I'm not a big dancer. <laughs> Learning so much about you. <laughs> it's like zero fun. I don't like berries. I just, just sit at just, home all day and just type no on the fun. internet. What'd you do today? I sat at home and watched boring I TV. Typed out three thousand words. Golden about, Girls. Uh, Harley Davidson. <laughs> I was looking at the how much uh, you know range a Harley had at sixty miles an hour versus sixty two miles an hour. Mm. Um, Tell me things. I, so <laughs> this is how old this is how long it's been since we since we talked. I went to World Superbike at Laguna Seca. Jesus wept. That was like two thousand and five, man. I know it was a long time. It was right after the uh, Harley Davidson launch, so right. I actually missed the uh, Saturday of racing, but I got to do the Sunday, which was good. Um, we watched the slow implosion of Alvaro Bautista. <laughs> yep. I mean, was it just, slow? It was just, it's like a train wreck. Like you just, you just can't look away and you're just like, oh man, it, as I keep going, it gets worse and it gets worse and it gets worse. Like, I don't think he's mathematically lost the championship, but I think Jonathan Ray can come in second in every race and still win the championship. So what you're saying is there's a bit of pressure. Uh, as long, I mean, like, I think it's a little unfair to be like Jonathan Ray won't crash, da, 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 da. but like he can still crash and we can crash like two, three weekends. And I think the, uh, the points balance out. Dang. 
Which is exactly what Alvaro Bautista did, basically. He crashed like, yeah, you know, you know that's racing. Five that's, races. That makes in it a row, fun racing, it though. You know, you don't want to like be like, oh, this guy's a thousand points ahead. It doesn't <sighs> yeah. matter. Let's just pay attention to the second and third now. It's just really interesting to me because I think the Superbike Championship has suffered from having like one rider dominate it. And if you kind of looked at the story of the season, you're like, oh, one rider took over mid-season. You're like, yeah, but like all the races were won by Alvaro Bautista, and now all the races are being won by Jonathan Ray, and there isn't really like there's close competition for it it's just either one is doing well or the other's doing well right um so i mean more what, power, does that say, what does that say about the pool though of racers or is it is it teams do you think this is a a machine problem or a rider problem well it's very interesting so there's a lot of rumors that alvaro will be going to honda next year in fact Ooh. that seems to be done and dusted scott redding will come in and take his place scott redding uh yeah whoa they're gonna pull him up from british superbike he's on a ducati yep. uh and in, in world superbike uh, there's a lot of talk that Honda, there's not a lot of talk that it's pretty much like the worst kept secret that Honda will have a new <laughs> Superbike for next year. Um, whether that's an inline four or a V4, we'll, we'll wait and see. Ooh. Um, so it's getting interesting. And like we hear names, like interesting names being tagged onto rides. And, you know, I think that, um, there is kind of like a backlog of seats in MotoGP. And we're seeing now that World Superbike is a little bit more of an option for for racers, especially British racers. So it's interesting. It was interesting to see uh, uh, Laguna Seca hosting around. Um, the attendance is actually, I think, some of the best Superbike attendance they've ever had. Really? And if you look at it, like, oddly enough, Laguna Seca is like the third most popular round for the World Superbike Championship, more or less. I mean, it's such a name. It's such a, it stands for a lot, man. A lot happened there. Well, it's just so interesting because you go and like, it's like, obviously, like it feel, I've been there during a the GP round and it's like a third of the size of that. Right. And, you know, even there on that weekend, you're like, man, this place is really empty. It feels kind of dead. And you're like, you're sitting there like looking at the numbers and you're like, no, it's actually the best year ever. And it's the third most popular <laughs> round. And like, man, that's just really a reflection on the world. Oof, yeah. World Superbike Series. So hopefully that slowly gets turned around. Um, and I think if we can get some more names and we can get some more better racing instead of having just one manufacturer dominate at a time. I think I asked you this before. Do you think there's ever a chance of GP ever going back? Nope. It's just done forever? There's just no way. I mean, first of all, the facility isn't nearly up to snuff for it. Uh, Laguna Seca is not a world-class facility. It's just not. No, it's not. It's a really fun track to ride, but you're dreaming if you think that's on par with Circuit of the Americas or... Uh, any of the European tracks or Sepang or Motegi or any of those other places, Phillip Island. Um, the paddock's not big enough. They can't afford the sanctioning fee. It's not safe for 300 horsepower motorcycles. It's barely safe for 200 horsepower superbikes. Yep. I think you can make a really good argument that it's not safe for anything above 600 cc's. <laughs> um, yeah, and there's just on so many levels, it can't accommodate that many people. Um, and Dorna's not really interested in doing any more of these rounds where only GP comes over. It's either the full circus or not at all. Yep. And there's just not enough physical room for a Grand Prix paddock in there. It's funny because you go to Austin and it's just so big that like you, you could just tell the the crowd that shows up with MotoGP barely scratches the surface of what that place is capable of. Indianapolis was like that. That was always the hard part about going to Indy. Indy could bring in like 120, 150,000 people. 
Yeah. But it's in a facility that was designed for 400,000. Right. So it would look empty when you had a huge crowd. And, you know, that's just like the difference between MotoGP and IndyCar or MotoGP and Formula One. And, you know. Yeah. I mean, even the folks that Coda were talking about, you know, the, the attendance at Formula One is way bigger. Yeah. I think on a on an average race weekend for MotoGP, they get something like, 90,000 plus attendance and then you, and then formula uh, one there was like 200,000 plus yeah coda over the moto gp race weekend so friday saturday sunday it's like 120 ish i didn't think it was that much yeah um actually i, I will say this last year was much busier than the year before last when i went so 2018 versus 19 18 was not quite as busy as 19 was so i'm hoping 20 will be even bigger it's funny, they haven't been releasing attendance figures for, for Coda lately because I think there's contract negotiations. So oh. I, was gonna, I was about to say, I think I have the numbers for this, but I think they've been playing games on it. Oh, just, what do we got? 120,000 this last year, 125 the year before, 118 the year before that. Wow, it that. felt so much busier this year. That's crazy. Um. So yeah, it goes... Just between like 130 and 120,000. It's average. <laughs> you look at bad. the European ones, though, they're like 200 plus. <laughs> it depends on the round. Like, yeah, right after that is Harath, and that's, you know, uh, 150,000. And that's not a big track. And then Le Mans, like 206. Brno was huge. Thailand's like almost a quarter million. That's Jeez. crazy. And they love their racing. So, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, Argentina, and that's in the middle of nowhere, 180,000. And it's in the middle of nowhere. People will show up. You gotta, if you build it, they will come. And then you got the round in Qatar, 32,000. Really? <laughs> yeah. What? You, so you go to Qatar, there's the, the grandstand on the front straight. Right. And then like turn nine or turn 10, I think it's turn 10. There's like a VIP grandstand that's super tiny. And that's all that's that's the only place you can go to spectate. Unless you have like some sort of like VIP pass that gets you along trackside. That is insane. It's just tiny. It's just television. I, it, <laughs> I was gonna say television. It works. It, for adds, television. A, it adds a couple of thousand viewers. <laughs> that's where the money is. It adds a couple of pounds to your track. Really, it's only the tracks that care about the the mm -hmm. attendance. Dorna doesn't care. Dorna cares only in the sense that it makes the tracks money, so the tracks can afford to pay the Dorna sanctioning fee. It's a weird business. Circle of life. Very misaligned goals. <laughs> um, so yeah, I got to go see World Superbike at Laguna. Had a good time. And then stayed on uh, that Monday and got to do a track day there with uh, Pirelli. Yeah. Which was a hoot and a holler because we had a 103 or 105 decibel limit. They raised it. Whoa. So brought out the Kramer with... Uh, with the loud pipe. The, it. the loud pipe. The, the rowdy pipe, pipe still got Ooh. through. Uh, so that was a lot of fun. Um, spending some laps out there and uh, getting to hang out with all the people. Got to spend some time. Uh, I did one session on the Energica Ego, what do they call it? Corsa Cliente, or I just messed that name up. It's the it's their street bike, their electric street bike, their right. electric super bike with the Moto E suspension and brakes. Oh. So, uh, interesting little, little race package. Interesting. How did uh, it feel? Uh, I mean, that bike was definitely not set up for me. So it was definitely struggling with the machine because of that. 
but is that the one that Shalina rode? Yeah, so she was out okay, there so testing with them. Designed for her mostly. Yeah, I think that their setup was more for her. Um, but it was fun because we then kind of like convinced them because the next weekend um, they were going to be up here in Portland visiting a dealer, and we had an Omra race weekend where we had um, it's like a special they call they called the Supercorn. Don't ask me about the name. I don't understand name. it. Um, but they do bounties for lap records, and I was looking at the electric record. I was like, well, that's kind of attainable. It's like minute 16 or whatever. That's not crazy talk. And I'm like, we could probably do that on this bike, maybe. And so kind of convince them to come up with a bike and try. Right. And uh, Same bike? Same bike. Okay. And uh, I think if we had more time, we could have gotten that one done. It just, we, it took a really long time. I wouldn't even say we landed on a setup that felt good. Uh, we landed on a setup that felt okay. Uh, so what'd you do? Uh, one seventeen, one seventeen, so close. Seven, I think so close, so close. But like, I understand, like it, it's so it's a really interesting thing. Um, PIR is a bad track for electrics, just because front straight and the back straight those open. just suck power, yeah. and they generate a ton of heat, and that's those are the things you're fighting on an electric bike, which was the interesting compare and contrast between that and like say the Kramer, similar, very similar lap times, very different and how you make them okay um so you only really get about a lap and a half maybe two laps at full power before you start hitting like thermal limits and energy starts tapering off and um so it's a very narrow window to to do that and uh, like if you go back and look at it like we we missed pretty much all of the the friday track day ahead of time because they had to come up from california that day so we got one session on friday we got one practice session in the morning. Do we get one or two sessions now? I can't remember. Uh, I think it was one session. Yeah. Raced one race on Saturday, one warm-up session on Sunday morning, race Sunday. So we got like five sessions on the bike with one or two laps at full speed. Hmm. So that was interesting. Um and it was just like the setup was just really like we needed a, like a day at the track to set that bike up because it was set up so differently than what I needed. Like just like almost the exact opposite. Shalina was here. Maybe. But then she get the record, not me. Well, you know, but that's not fair. Friends with benefits and all that. That's a really nice benefit to give a friend. It is. I don't, I don't think I like her that much. Dang, Shalina, you hear that? You need new friends. Yeah. Um... But it was interesting. It was an interesting thing to to race because because of that problem. Like it's like riding three different bikes or four different bikes. It depends how far down you go. So we did one one session. We did eleven laps, and that was literally coming in with like three percent battery. Wow! Like eleven laps at PIR is the maximum number of laps. At you what can point do. does that power output start dipping? Like how many percent after the first lap? Jeez. No, that, so that's the thing, right? So you go and you do like a lap and a half maybe two laps at full power and then it takes a step. So you start out like 600 CC super bike power, right? And then it takes a step and then you get kind of like more like very powerful middleweight, like SV 650 and it does like three, three laps like that. And then it takes another step. Wow. And then it's like more like Ninja 400 and then it does that for two, three laps. And then it takes a step every lap after that. And you just, like I finished that last lap, I think. I think I started that session doing like 120s, and I think I finished doing 130s. It 
That's a good selling point for uh, Energica. Buy Energica. You can have so many mics. So many one bike. Well, well, what's interesting is you end up like every time you come in th- through a turn. So like every time I came through turn, let's say turn two, turn three. It was like coming with a different bike. Yeah, you have to or, figure out your line differently. Or breaking into turn one because the speed difference going down the front straight had changed so much, my brake marker had changed. My brake marker was different every single lap by, you know, 50 feet. Holy shit. So that was kind of crazy. Like, So you had to like, not only did you have to, like, not only were we struggling to like just get the suspension and the chassis set up the way I wanted it, but then you have to sit there and like start learning, like, hey, on lap one and two, I'm braking, you know, at five and a half. You know, the five, the a little bit before the five board, but on lap three, I'm breaking at the five board and lap four, I'm breaking at the four board and lap three, I'm breaking at like the two board. <laughs> I think I just messed up the lap numbers, but you get what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, I get it. And by so, the end of it, you're not even breaking. And you have to remember that for every single turn where there's like something like that. Um, and then like the way I go through turn four in the beginning of the race is different from the way I go through it in the ending of the race because it's like, well, now I'm doing, I went from point and shoot to big sweeping momentum lines. And that's like one of the more technical turns in that track. Yeah. So um, it was an interesting experience. It was very different. It was really cool. To A lot of people were super interested in it. Um, you start looking at that bike. And I can understand that that bike's like three years old, a little bit older. No, it's older. It's like five years old. It's like five years old. Maybe older. It's got to be at least because I remember seeing it at Moto Corsa when I first started there in 2015. And, and it had already been out for a while because yeah. I test wrote, I did the press launch in California and I still lived in California. So that was like five years ago. Dude. So that bike hasn't changed in that time. And like I've talked to Nurjik about it. Like they know that they need to come out with like a new version. But like it's only it's just under 12 kilowatt hours nominal. It's not a very big battery pack. Right. Um, it's big, heavy bike. It weighs like almost 600 pounds. It's like 580 pounds. It's as much as my big multi. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's a beast. It's a and beast it's not of that a bike. big physically. No, it's just a lot of battery. Yeah. But, and that's the, that's like the compare and contrast to the Moto e-bike, which is a hundred pounds lighter, makes like 20 more horsepower and has twice as much energy on board. So a whole different bike. And you start looking at, so yeah, I mean, they look very similar, but they are very different. Yeah. Um, but, uh, the thing that was interesting for me was seeing the potential that we had with the street bike and knowing that there's a bike on like, like today's technology is so much better because we still were able like 11 laps of PIR. That's still like a 15 minute, 20 minute session yeah, uh, of fun. Like that, that would get you through a track day session. That's 22 ish miles. Yeah. And they had enough char- like the, the track has actually one of the cool things about PIR is there's like electricity hookups everywhere. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of um, 220, 50-amp uh, plugs for RVs all over the place. So you can you can do like a level two charge on it pretty good. Um, so it only took us like, I think, two, three hours to charge that thing all the way back up again. That's not bad. That's not bad. And if they had like a different charger, like a proper charger, that we could have we utilized all the energy that was available. Right. Um. And like you look at the heat side of it, like you start looking at it, you're like, man, that Moto E bike, I think would be the, the the thing. I think that would be the jam because then you could easily do a session without dipping into the battery too far. The battery's bigger, it's more robust, it's not going to have as much heat problems, it's not going to drop off as much, it's lighter. Like I was sitting there going, like, man, that's what I want. I want like those one of those Moto E bikes. That would be a rad track bike to have, and and then you could probably brace it proper and not have any too many issues with it. What's the what's the price tag on the Moto e-bike? Well, they're not for sale. Oh. 
I've seen people talk about them. Like I think they're selling them to Dorna for like eighty thousand. Um, but like I think you could reasonably produce that. Maybe not with like the super whammy brakes and suspension. I bet you could do it for forty. It would make sense. That's not. I mean, what's the what's their regular bikes going for? I think we looked this up. Twenty twenty ish. Yeah. So it's interesting. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, I know the battery pack technology is like basically the way those things are priced, you could keep the price tag at 20,000 and put twice as much energy in it. Yeah. Like they're making a little margin now because the batteries are so much cheaper. <laughs> but it was a very interesting to, thing to race to, to, to have that alongside the Kramer and do similar lap times, but with very different machines. And yeah, I, I'm, I'm very intrigued. I, I definitely want them to come back out next year and, and we can try again, and if they can bring a Moto E bike, that'd be really cool. There's weird like <laughs> licensing agreements with Dorna with that that might have some issue, but uh, the politics of motorcycle racing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, it's interesting, interesting stuff. Had a good round overall. Got some, got into the 16s. Had some, had some podiums and some good races, some good battles. It was a good. You did good. I did good. You had a little personal delivery happen. A little personal. That's right. I totally forgot about that. So you brought out my brake caliper for me. Yeah, I got stuck out there. Damn it! And you got stuck. <laughs> yeah. You know what's funny? I got stuck there, and I was like, "Fuck!" I could have just parked on the outside, walked over the bridge, and yeah. been in and out. I didn't think in those terms. That's really the downside of the way that's that track is up. And there's only one pedestrian bridge. That's it. It needs. There needs to be another one closer to start finish. Uh, yeah. I I guess for the amount of traffic they get it set up okay yeah but, i mean come on yeah like i think i was pretty much the only one going trying to get in and out but the thing with them is like you have to leave at such and such hour and i showed up exactly on time they're like oh dude you're late i'm like but you said yeah if you're not there <laughs> waiting yeah you're not gonna get it yeah, yeah that's right so I'm, I'm still i'm still um you were very kind to bring out the uh the brake caliber for me because i'm still kind of you know working on developing that that braking system with the single disc to, to meet my needs. What, what are you, are you allowed to talk about what you're trying to do? Oh yeah. Yeah. It's really easy. I mean, um, the S model Kramer comes with a single disc setup. Uh, it's a three twenty uh, millimeter single disc with a Brembo M50 caliper, which is the caliper you see on Panigale V4s and Aprilia RS V4s and KTM Super Dukes. And it's a very popular street caliper. Okay, and then the R spec Kramer comes with two of those calipers Ooh, on but smaller dual, discs or the same smaller disc dual two nineties, um, and so you talk to the Kramer guys with the R bikes, and it's like too much braking power. If anything, they're trying to like play around with pads to to make the the initial power less and the modularity modularity better. Modularity, uh, whereas on um, the single disc, it just it doesn't have as much power. But um, I think there's a happy medium between the two, and I think it can be done with a single disc. And that's what you're trying to find. And that's what I'm trying to find out. When I think it's going to end up just involving me basically getting like a MotoGP brake setup, but on just one disc, <laughs> single disc. <laughs> <laughs> but it's been fun. It's been fun to try out different um, pad compounds, different rotors, different calipers, different got a different master cylinder. I mean, nothing on that bike's braking setup right now is stock. On the next um, episode of Gone Racing, how Jensen spent as much money on his braking as he does on the motorcycle. 
<laughs> yeah, it's gonna get. And it won't be that bad. It won't be that bad, but those things but aren't like, cheap. But like, legitimately, like, probably by the time I'm done, I'm have like four or five grand in breaks. That's a lot. It's a lot. That's a lot. But oh, man, will it have some good brake feel? Or fucking <laughs> yeah, better. Like, cool. <laughs> I have an iron disc showing up in the mail sometime this week. An iron one. Yeah, I'm really curious about that, dude. Yeah, Brake Tech sent me out one of their iron uh, discs. I was so, expecting for you to go to like carbon ceramic. Thought about that. And? Uh, I mean, that's a whole nother animal. And I don't know, truthfully, if PIR would generate enough heat to warm up a carbon disc. And they're very hard to, the, those are super expensive and they're very hard to find. Um, but iron's interesting because iron has a higher coefficient of friction. Hmm. So in theory, I should be able to get some more braking power. It's also lighter and the, it has better feel, supposedly. Really? So that's what I'm kind of curious to see what, what the jam is. Um, how's it about heat dissipation? Better. Iron. A- everything about iron is basically better, except for the fact that they rust. Oh, well, there's that. So we'll see. I mean, that's that's kind of like where it's not like we live in a wet state or anything. No, not at all. Right. <laughs> um, but such is life. <laughs> C'est la vie. But yeah, we'll I'll report back on how it is. It, it, it's it's been a it's been a process, but it's intriguing. And then then like we're playing around with um. Uh, different piston material. So the caliper I have has uh, aluminum pistons. Okay. Most racing calipers have titanium pistons now. Whoa. Um, we're going to throw some stainless steel pistons in there uh, to see what we can do. It's interesting. It's just all very interesting to me. Is there an upside to getting lighter pistons? Well, yeah. I mean, there's an upside for lighter because it's, you know, it's a pretty big chunk of metal, unsprung mass and all that jazz. Right. But it's mostly you're playing around with that compound for the heat properties. So um, it's how much heat do you put back into the fluid, boiling the fluid. Um, stainless steel does a very good job of of protecting that. Hmm. So does titanium. Titanium is very good at not absorbing heat. Aluminum, not as good. Right. So I'm I'm curious to see if there's a difference. What What are the ones that it comes with? Aluminum. Aluminum. Okay. So you're going go to go st- Most pistons, most street pistons are aluminum. Aluminum. Um, and then like through this whole process, I've gotten like a deep dive on like the Brembo catalog of calipers and it's, <laughs> it's fascinating. I'm actually really looking forward to putting together a story about it because I think Brembo does a horrible job of explaining what the actual differences are in its products. Yeah. And even when you talk to them, you get the impression that maybe they don't know the differences in their <laughs> products. I think they're just trying to keep it vague for the end user because i love seeing dudes on harley's go oh yeah harley's got brembo brakes on it now like i don't think it's the same as what you get on the say a v4r panigale i know they both say brembo but stop it's 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 very interesting the whole thing's interesting i'm fascinated <laughs> by it that, that's been like the one of the more intriguing things to do over the course of this process is is learning all the nitty gritty about brakes and, and all the stuff. Like now I'm sitting there going like, well, maybe I want to go to a 16 millimeter Brembo instead of a 15 millimeter. And you're nerding out hard. Just, just going deep on it. Kind of like Coda's about to go deep in that bag. She got a new bag for, Oh, oh yeah. Get the it. Cat is curious about what's inside that paper bag. This could not go wrong in any way possible next to that staircase Coda. Don't you look at me like that. Rude. Um, I totally lost track of thought fucking cat <laughs> yeah the brake the brake story and the the fuel story i'm very interested to get the bike on the dyno with a bunch of different fuels and see what's up so <clears throat> i live very close to the track as you know and 
every Wednesday and Friday night, I hear the drag races happen. Yeah. And I'm telling you, I would love to go there with you so that you can practice your launches. Yeah. I feel like if you mastered your launches, you would win way the fuck more races because as it is, you're really fast. Mm. Like, I see you gain grounds by the time you hit turn four. So, like, imagine if you were able to launch harder and just... I've definitely gotten better. I wouldn't say I'm good. But I'm not losing because of my starts. But could you win more because of your starts? No, I don't think so. You don't think so? No, because, like, you look at the guys... I mean, it's interesting, right? Like, this is... this is It's all it's all a part of, like, the race craft and the strategeries and... and ah, strategery. But, like, you look at it. Our race is... A, Omer are long enough that like it really does come down to lap time. Now, that being said, there's like one or two guys that are faster than me, but if I can glom onto them, I can mix it up and maybe maybe something happens. You know, maybe I get them at that turn seven or turn nine and I can draft them at the finish line. You know, I, I can be right there, is right. what I'm saying. And there's a couple guys that are probably a little bit slower than me that could probably say the same thing. And then there's a couple guys that are like, out in front of us, we're just like, no, nah. yeah, don't even like you're doing like talking to Alex. Doing, yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, when you're doing a second or two a lap faster than someone, just don't. And it's just like oh, it's just not attainable. And like those, like, so like, is a better start gonna help me beat them? No, because they're doing they're gonna do two seconds lap quicker than me. Like, <laughs> but they're if gonna you get in front of them before four, turn one and play defense all lap. But even then, that's what I'm saying. Like when you look at it, it's like just down the straightaway, like they're just gonna pull away. And right. it's just, there's just nothing to it. Now, like a really good start on someone that's like close to my skill level, right? That can make the difference. Like getting in front of them or getting behind them or or catching up. Like if you have a bad grid position and you're a row or two behind, you get a really good start. You, you can be there at turn one. Or have better position at turn one. Because uh, I do think a lot of the race is kind of dictated by that first lap or so. Or even that first half a lap. Oh, of course. And it was like that when I sailed, um, when I raced sailboats. Sailboat racing is won and lost at the start. Like, you might be able to improve, like, on a position or two. But, you know, if you start mid-pack, you are not going to win the race. Like, you just <laughs> can't come from behind. Like, you just, that magic doesn't exist. And it's the same way in motorcycles. Like, if you put me at the back of the grid, if I have to start from pit lane, I will eventually work my way through most of the the grid, but I'm not going to catch back up to the guys that are roughly my speed because I'm I'm still going to have that, that 30 second deficit yeah, or you guys that are 20 just second be deficit. chasing each other at the same pace. Yeah, I might make it look honest, but you know, it's like the difference of getting coming in sixth versus coming in third. Right. So. But it would be nice to like be able to really launch a bike better and and really have like that kind of command. And the only way you do it is through practice. And I have thought about going out to the the drag uh, events because they have them so often. Every two nights a week. Yeah, there might even be more than just two nights a week. I only hear them Wednesday and Friday, but that doesn't uh, mean anything. It's because you're partying too hard on Saturday. That's fair. Um, yeah, because they definitely drag right Saturday nights sometimes too. And I don't understand that whole scene, that whole culture. It's run with your brunk. But uh, it seems uh. In Terrasant, but there's definitely a uh, an art form to to launching the bike, and that is something I've had to learn. I would say, like, I get, I do like a solid B. I do a B's worth. I'm not, I'm not like an A. I'm not knocking it out of the park. That's passing with a high five. I've had like one really good start my my entire summer <laughs> uh, racing. It's this one year. of those where you do, you're like, holy shit, I just did the thing. I started, I started, I was very last. I was the last person on the grid, so I was like row five or six. And I was like third or fourth going through turn one. I mean, I just, 
I must have jumped that start. Dang. I must have. I, just, I mean, they didn't call you on it, you know? They can't. There was funny, like I have this last weekend, uh, my family was out there and they actually videoed me at the start. Okay. And I totally did a cow crutch love. <laughs> 100%. You see me just kind of like, like I kind of fuck it up. I'm like, oh, we're not going yet. And then I'm like kind of creeping forward and I kind of fucked up like which hand needed to do what. And so the bike's like, I forgot. I'm like, I'll control I'm like, delete. Yeah. I'm like trying to pull the bike back off my legs and it's still just like rolling like <laughs> half a mile an hour. And then we go. And then, like I see, and you see the video, and you're just like watching, just like, oh my god, I'm totally cow crushing like that. I'm totally <laughs> take this off the internet. There's proof. What happened during this launch? Uh, let's not talk about this launch. Yeah, that wasn't so good. That little guy. I wouldn't worry about that little guy. Um. Yeah, that's just it's fun. I mean, that's the whole thing. It's the learning process. I can't <laughs> wait for you to come out. I'm super excited. I might have told. Hashtag team man about it. And she was like, you're doing what next year? Oh, really? <laughs> I might have to switch hashtags. Stop it. Is right she, she going to put the kibosh on it? No, I don't think so. Okay. No, here, listen, this is, and I, I've learned in the last 14 years of relationship with her to kind of read it properly, but she says, and I quote, if you can afford it, do it. <laughs> so, you know, I've bought many motorcycles because I've heard her say that. And I come home like, Hey, I did the thing. She's like, motherfucker. <laughs> to be fair. I've definitely been at your house when the, discussion of a motorcycle was broached and she was like let's do it oh yeah clean out the savings let's do it right now (laughs) she i'm telling you she gets that twinkle in her eye and i think she gets excited like when it when it's announced and then when it really happens and a bike shows up she's like fuck you actually did the thing well yeah you said yeah you're right i did okay yeah congratulations i love you she's never negative about it but it's like after it happens she's usually like ah this this guy when he says he's gonna do a thing he does the thing and i gotta either say yes or no and i gotta meet it (laughs) I just want you to do it because I want to see you out there on those Motaz tires. Oh, God. I want to bring the fucking tractor. Tractionator. Tires Tractionator. <gasps> Maybe they have track shenators. Shahinators. Track <gasps> shahinators. I will. T- <laughs> oh, God. Gross. Gross. That just gave me the heebie-jeebies. Look, even Coda's like, uh, I don't like you. I don't know about this. Um, it's a cool, it's a cool thing. I think you'd enjoy it. I think I will, too. I'm excited. Uh, well, that's the first two bullet points on our list. We're doing so well. I'm so proud of us. <laughs> Suzuka eight hours. That's you love that race. I love that race. You love that race more than almost any race. Like, I don't see you get that excited about anything. I like the TT a lot, but the problem with the TT is it's like two weeks worth of excitement. So I have to like, I have to draw it out. Right. All my excitement. I probably have the same total amount of excitement. For the TT as I do Suzuka, but Suzuka's like a third amount of the time between practices and qualifying. Yeah, so it's and easier everything. to cover. Oh yeah, super easy to cover. You well, love covering not, it. the time difference is brutal. But I watched yeah. I watched the race live. I finished up at like four o'clock, five o'clock in the morning. Did not know who won the the race, Shaheen. <laughs> really? Did you not? Did you not see any of this? No. Oh man. So. Oh, this is total spoiler alert, but man, if you haven't watched it by now, I mean, it's been a while. It's been a little while. (laughs) Get your shit together. Uh, That's our fault. So, um, literally like two, three laps to go. It's like seven hours and 50 minutes into the whole thing. Um, the Suzuki endurance racing team cert, they're like, they're one of the top FIM EWC teams. Okay. So, should back this up. Suzuka is the final round of the FIM Endurance World Championship calendar. Okay. Which is super weird because like the first round of next season starts in like three weeks. 
Wow. They, they really bent over backwards to make Suzuka the final round. And like the, the calendar ends midsummer. Um, so you have that whole FIM EWC championship coming to a head at Suzuka. There's two teams really battling it out. And the team that won last year, the, um, TSR Honda team, uh, they're, they're in the hunt mathematically, but like some shit would have to happen. Um, but they're, um, one of the top teams always at, at Suzuka, partially because they run Bridgestone tires and you really have to run Bridgestone tires to do well at Suzuka. Whereas the other FIM EWC teams have Pirelli's or Dunlops or I don't think Michelin's represented in that championship right now, but it's, it's literally the only world championship that still has a proper tire war going on. So that makes it a little interesting in that regard, but it also means like the championship, the last round is very much decided on that. So Cert is leading the championship there. It's like this big deal and their motor pops with like 10 minutes to go. Shit. Drops oil all over the track. Neat. Whole thing. This gives the, the win over to the Kawasaki, uh, the SRC Kawasaki team. And it was like a big upset. And then like it ends up making like the final point count for the championship within like the top three teams are within like 10 points of each other. Wow. Because the, the Honda team was running fourth overall at the time. Very impressive. Because um, traditionally you have like the, the EWC teams. They don't do very well partially because they're not on the right tires. But just it's just the level. And then you have the factory entries for Suzuka. And then you have all these teams that are like Suzuka specialist teams. Because it's such a huge deal to the Japanese. This is part of why I like the race. Because there's like three races going on at the same time. And it's very... All the Japanese teams are doing like weird voodoo stuff, like special <laughs> one-off prototype. Um, so you have a factory Honda, a factory Kawasaki, and a fac- factory Yamaha. Okay, no Suzuki. There's like a there's a Yoshimura Suzuki team, but they're definitely like a step below. Oh, I think they finished fifth. Anyway, so the Suzuki endurance bike blows its motor, oil on the track. Like a lap later, Jonathan Ray is finishing up for Kawasaki, and understand like the entire. Seven hours and fifty seven hours and forty five minutes of this race God. has been um Yamaha and Kawasaki basically trading corners with each other with Honda in the mix as well. Like for about seven hours, you were like, I don't know which one of the three teams is gonna win because they Point are off. literally just on the track with each other, battling out like it's a GP race. Sheesh. Fantastic racing for seven hours and forty five minutes. In the last 15 minutes or so, things kind of get spread out a little bit more. You see the Honda guys drop off because they made some strategy problems. You see some stuff with Yamaha and, and Kawasaki. Like So Jonathan Ray's got like two, three laps. He's got a 20-second lead on um, the Yamaha, which I think was Alex Lowe's. Pretty sure it was Alex Lowe's that was on the bike. That's a pretty insane lead. Um, 20 seconds. I mean, over. Yeah. It's a lot. I mean, it's comfortable. At that point, like you're managing the race. Right. And literally, we're just like, okay, yeah, the race is kind of over. It's going to be over in like a lap or two. Let's talk about how amazing. Boom, Jonathan Ray goes down. And he crashed in the rain last year. That was the thing. It started to rain a little bit. And he crashed in the rain last year as well. Yeah. And that kind of killed their their hopes. So you see, the, you see him crash, and then they immediately red flag the race. So then it was like this huge thing, like, like well, who won? <laughs> and then like for a while, then they go like, Yamaha won. <laughs> And like they had the podium ceremony and everything, and they're doing the champagne and they're high fiving. And then like an hour goes by and there's like no press conference, and like two <laughs> hours go by. And, there's and then they go, oh yeah, well we we kind of screwed up the rules on like because there's like a rule in most 
FIM racing where you have five minutes from a red flag to get back to your garage. Otherwise, you're disqualified. Oh. And that didn't happen. Like, Kawasaki didn't get back to the garage. So they DQ'd Kawasaki. And then Kawasaki protested. And it turns out that the endurance racing doesn't have this rule. Oh. And they're like, we should win. They're like, yeah, you should win. So then they changed the result. So this is like crazy thing where like I went to bed, not entirely sure who won, but being told that Yamaha won and then woke up a couple hours later and it turned out that like Kawasaki had won. This is huge thing. It was very interesting. Like from like a, like a journalist point of view, it was kind of sucky for the fans because you have like the ceremony and like you leave <laughs> the track playing with my emotions. It's just, yeah. It's very weird. In the end of the day, I think the right team won. I mean, they clearly were winning when it happened. They're within the rules. Like, I don't see a big controversy, but you shouldn't have a race direction declaring a winner and then going back on it. Uh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it was on, uh, it was live streamed on Motor Trend. So, you know, you know, kind of sitting there going, Motor Trend's like five bucks a month or whatever it is. They do great TT coverage. They did really good. I wouldn't say really good, but they did good Suzuka coverage. And then you've got like all the stuff that Zach and Ari are doing. I'm like, still going, eh, five bucks a month. Yeah, That's it not might be, might be worth it. That's not too bad. Yeah. They had a 14 day free trial period. That's I how I watched that. it. I just saw it. <laughs> Um, so that's the cheat way of doing it. Maybe next TT season, you sign up for the 14 day pass so you can get all your you TT watch Fortnite. This thing real quick. <laughs> but um, it is kind of worth like sticking around for. I don't know. I think the price points right. I don't think it's bad. I was talking to both of them about it at Laguna. Like you know, it's an interesting model. Things are happening. It's you know, it's interesting because they've they've uh, released a couple of their videos on YouTube, and it's like, hey, you can watch a lot more of this if you just pay. They have pretty good content, I think. It's tough when there's stuff out there for free. I think they're lucky in the sense that there's no one doing really good production level moto content on right. YouTube. Right. Mostly because it's like to- totally upside down. I know Cycle World's trying to to do that with its channels, but like truthfully, actually that was one of the scuttlebutts out of Laguna Seca because right when we were there, they had just uh Bonnier had just laid off like five more people. Uh, mostly like motorcyclists. Right. And a couple, <clears throat> I think it was like a couple people in the back offices. Chris Cantonell at, he was the editor of motorcyclists. He got let go. And like, I think, I think truthfully, I think Waheed and Morgan, Adam Waheed and Morgan Gales, I think are the only guys at motorcyclists now. That's really it, huh? Um, and like everyone's just talking like, fingers crossed there's an issue four. I don't think anyone expects issue five to come out. Just oh. fingers crossed they get to issue four. Right. Which is super sad to see. Um, I mean, I'm not like terribly surprised. You know, like I, I think know, I, I just, think Bonnier has done a pretty good job of ruining the motorcycle industry. I know. They it's it's funny. It's like you just watched it kind of crash as opposed to oh, I don't know, progress with the rest of the I liken it to when DMG had the rights for AMA you know, pro racing. Right. Where you'd sit there and like the G- DMG, the Daytona Motorsports Group, would like make a decision and you'd legitimately be like you guys should do the exact opposite. Like, I don't know why you think that's the thing to do because the right thing to do is literally the exact. <laughs> and like time and time again, we're like, it has to be intentional because as as like, you have an idea, do the opposite. Please. You are so consistently making like the obvious bad choice out of like two decisions <laughs> over and over again. Like it must be intentional. There must be a bigger plan. And I feel like that same way with Bonnier sometimes where I sit there just like, you guys keep making really, really bad decisions. And I don't have the whole picture. I don't know, like what their financials look like. I don't know what their stressors are, what the those what's going on in, inside closed doors per se. Although I do hear some of it. Um 
but you just sit there and just like, could you guys just like do more to whittle away the credibility of these great publications that you own? Yeah. You have great people working for you. You have great reporters. You have great journalists. You have great test writers. You have, you know, like I, I know all these people. I know they're good people. I know they're good at their jobs. So how are you fucking this up? They just are. I don't know. But either fingers. I, I just uh, saw that I got a refund for the retro RR magazine. So I guess they're done after two issues. And Dang I it. think truthfully, I think Psycho World's going to be done after issue four. If we get to so issue print four. is pretty much done at this point. I mean, what who, who's doing decent motorcycle print? Iron and Air does, I think, a good job. Meta does a does a good job, but those are very niche. They're yeah. very boutique. Um, like general motorcycle print. Roadrunner. Roadrunner. Roadrunner, I think, is actually when it comes to distribution and circulation, is the largest motorcycle magazine out there right now. I guess the real question is: Are people still reading magazines? I mean, like when and and hold on, I should probably clarify. Is everybody reading magazines? Because you're probably going to have like the 45 plus people going, yeah, I'd still read it. But even those people are glued on to their, you know, handheld devices. Yeah, I think, I think it's I mean, just inevitable. Um, the media landscape is changing dramatically. How we consume information is changing dramatically. Like, I don't read a newspaper. I don't get magazines. Like, huh? I go out of my way to buy, like, certain magazines. But I was funny. Like, I was in the airport the other day. And I, like, walked in just to see what magazines they had still on the shelf. No motorcycle magazines, by no. the way. None. But there was, like, a couple car names that I still, like, read. Like, Road and Track, Car and Drivers. Like, I used to read those as a kid. And there's some stuff there. And, like, like yeah, that's interesting. Um, I was watching Mad Men the other day. And they made a couple references to Playboy magazine. Huh. And it was interesting for me. And I've kind of lost the thought. I should have wrote it down a little bit. But it struck me interesting how at that point in time, that was an interesting or influential magazine. And how like they lost track of that over time. Like It went from a magazine that kind of... How do I want to describe this? catered to the I was going to say misogynistic that's not right very male oriented view of the world and had naked women in it yep. and then over time just went like lowest common denominator like all we're about is naked women in it like it used to be like Playboy magazine was actually like a legitimate like thing to read an article in like you you could have a, a cocktail party and be like well I just read in Playboy the other day that actually uh, the 401k <laughs> thing is really going to work out for everybody Right, you read Playboy you know? for the articles, as I've heard the joke. Actually, so but that's the thing. That's the it became a joke, and yeah. it used to be in a point in time that wasn't a joke. Right. Like that was actually like an influence. It was it. It was very much the zeitgeist of the time. I think that's what I was looking for, because it was something that was relevant, and it wasn't a joke, and it wasn't just like naked girls in a magazine. It was like, yeah, okay, we got some some naked girls because we know men read it and men like boobs, but this is also we know like we're catering to executives and power players and these are like thought-provoking stories about you know our times and issues right it's the, even, same, it's the same thing though i think for for the magazines in our space now where it's like i think i think the sad part is is for a lot of the magazines the only journalism they seem to print anymore is like a superbike shootout like that's that's like the extent of the like exciting their, stuff their critique right. and and insight and skill into the industry where the rest of it's just kind of like is this an ad? I can't tell if this is an ad. For a really long time, one of the magazines, uh, what is it? Upshift. 
ton of KTM ads. Yeah. Con- ton of KTM content. Like yep. it's the KTM magazine for a while. They had a KTM employee writing for them. <laughs> and you're just like, is this is a KTM publication or not? Like, like there's some cool stories here and there's some re- beautiful photography. I recognize some of the photography because it's from the KTM media website, <laughs> but you just sit there and like, what's going on here? I want to like this, but for some reason I don't. And I think publications are, are struggling with that sometimes. I think so too. I, w- I always wonder if it's a matter of, you know, you, you got to know who your sponsors are. You got to pay the bills. You got to pay the bills. And, and it kind of makes it difficult as a consumer to read it and take you seriously anymore because it's like, all right, now you're a KTM publication or you're a Harley publication. And that's where I see, like, I don't know the, what the situation like in the room where they're saying like, Hey, you know, we, uh, cause it's not cheap printing a bunch of magazines. No. Like, Hey, we need to make a million dollars this month to cover our overhead and, and print the stuff. Yep. How are you going to do that? No one, no one's, no one's buying that much advertising. Right. But they'll pay us enough money to cover that nut. If we write this story about a cool trip to Bologna where we have some pasta and ride Ducatis, you're like, uh, well, on the one hand, we totally sell out. On the other hand, we don't have a publication anymore. Great. So you've gone from, you know, having actual, I don't know, stuff that you need real journalists for to, to just being content providers, right? And that's really what it's, what I've noticed. There's a lot of, you know, quote unquote content products of, you're writing that Ducati in Bologna and eating pasta and it's like, oh yeah, lifestyle content. Let's talk more about that. And I get it. That stuff sells. I mean, on the on the retail side, that's how you sell stuff. You sell the dream. But that's not what motorcycle or car magazines used to be about. It used to be about where you go there and you got facts. Yeah. Right? You got you got the nitty-gritty nerd out stuff uh, that let you read while you were taking a crap. Somehow that didn't really... I mean... I, you're pretty much the only one that I go to now. It's uh, and it's not on a print anymore. It's just on a on my handheld device. Right, and that's that's the shift because I think the opportunity for someone like me is a lot easier. Like because we don't have a huge office that we have to pay for. We don't have a huge overhead. We don't have like a business development unit, and like you can run an online magazine with a couple people. It's really right. easy, um, and work virtually and and, and make it happen. Uh, but it's, it's it's a slippery slope when you start making those choices with finances. Like every literally every day, I get an email asking to write a sponsored post. Mm-hmm. Every day, I get that. I'm sure. So there there is a huge marketplace that wants that to happen. And if you're trying to make a buck, that's a pretty low. I mean, like they're coming to you. You don't even have to track them down. Right. So I I just put it at weak leadership. The end of the day, it's just weak I remember leadership. I saw an ad for um, for employment through. Through, I'm not gonna name their name. I don't know if I should, but you know, one of those publications you can buy parts from, but they also do stories. Um, and the ad basically was for a content provider, and part of the requirements was must have minimum ten thousand followers. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. I remember seeing, like several years ago, and it was like, well, I enjoy writing about motorcycles. Maybe I'll. Ooh, I don't have to, fuck. I I don't even have two thousand followers. I don't. I'm nobody. <laughs> I'm just a dude that likes to ride and write. That's an interesting requirement to put. I, I remember seeing that and going, "Oh, this shit's going downhill." Now, uh, now they're looking for they're looking for influencers to do their writing for them. Well, I can say, like, as a publisher, like, it's not the worst idea. The problem, the problem I have is where do you place the value on that metric? Because I would love to have someone that can write really well and ride really well, mm-hmm. and then also have already a turnkey audience. Of people that are following them. But if you're just saying like, hey, we want to find someone that's got a shit ton of 
Instagram followers and we'll we'll like train them up on how to write a story mm-hmm. and how to do the thing. We just want to make sure that they have like we just want to tap into their audience. All right. we care about is tapping into those followers because maybe some of those followers aren't our followers. And knowing some of the Insta famous people, you're sitting there going like, yeah, it's one thing that let's, let's do the Venn diagram thing, right? Like there's there's a circle of building followers online and the circle of good at motorcycles. Right. And there's literally like no overlap in those <laughs> no. two skills. Like those, they have no, there's no complementary <laughs> skill set in achieving those goals. Uh, they, they might overlap, but that's out of sheer coincidence. It's, it's like, if you're good at, like we were talking earlier about, about like cooking food. Right. If you're good at grilling on a barbecue, you're probably a pretty good cook on a stove. And vice versa. Like the basics are there. There's a little difference. Right. A little difference. Right. One's outdoors, like cooking over open fire isn't the same as grilling on stove. But you're still gonna know like when a when a steak is done and what seasoning to use and how to butter it up and make it look pretty. So there's a lot of overlap in that skill set. Yep. Not so much here. <laughs> Not so much. <laughs> this is a, a baker versus a cook analogy. It's like a baker <laughs> and a mechanic. <laughs> Baking a cook, I think, would still have like some overlap. Like you still have to have like a palate. You still need to understand ingredients. One's a little bit more chemistry. Maybe one's a little bit more art. But like, there's some overlap. We're still dealing with food. They both still kind of work in the kitchen. But like being able to interpret and kind of hack the algorithm of a social media platform. Right. None of the skill sets required for that. Which I think a lot of people who figured it out that haven't even figured it out. They just got lucky and they landed at the right place at the right time. I think that's truthful. I don't know if you can build an audience. I've now. talked to so many people who are influencers and I'm like, how'd you do it? They're like, I don't fucking know. <laughs> I don't know if they're telling me the truth, but you can just see them. They're like, ah, I just got lucky. I just kept posting the same shit and uh there I am. And that's the thing. I would say from like an objective point of view, like I know some people who put out tremendous content to their channel and have twenty thousand followers. Right. And I look at people that have like 20 million followers and just put out garbage. And the content sometimes is, is as good, but sometimes isn't. You sit there like, there's no meritocracy here. No. It's just whatever. And then like, who knows? And then you, and that doesn't even get into the whole thing of like, you can buy followers. You can fake that system. Right. There are publications that have millions of followers and they all happen to be home from like Malaysia. <laughs> you're like, well, that's weird. That's an American publication. Why are they all from Malaysia? I don't know. Because you bought them all. Um. But it is interesting to see that that's that's a metric. But like on the same side, like it's it's uh, Megan Kelly's actually a great example. You know, great household name in conservative news. Okay, and NBC is like I mean, she leaves Fox, and then NBC is like, yeah, we'll hire her because people know who she is. Yeah, she's we already know got that when we hire her, people are going to watch her show. Mm-hmm. Now, you can have that whole debate of whether or not that's a good fit for NBC, if Megyn Kelly is good at her job or not, if, you know, that's a that's a good strategy. But, like, you know, they said they're like, oh, people are going to watch that show because we know who Megyn Kelly is. Right. And it's the same thing, like, when you put Charles Barkley on ESPN as a, a basketball commentator, people are going to listen to his because he's yeah. Charles Barkley. He's he got, got a fans. family. He's known entity. You put me on that show, they're going to be like, who the fuck is yeah, this he's guy? tall, but has he ever played basketball in his <laughs> life? He's got a cat. This guy looks like a sailor. I don't know. I'm not following that guy. I don't want to watch things about sailing. I don't know you. Yeah. So it's it's an interesting it's an interesting choice. Um, Shaheen, do we want to finish with like an hour long show, or do we want to like keep trudging along? Because we could say the other stuff for next time. What else you got? I don't want to spoil it too much. Ooh, but like a little like little. Let's uh let's save it for next time. All right. Yeah. Okay. I, I'll actually. 
I think if we make shorter shows, I can get them out quicker. Whoa, is that the trick? Are, we going, are we going down to an hour and change now an instead of an hour and 45? No, the hour and 45 is crazy. It's crazy That's all we've been doing. <laughs> you want to start editing the shows? Listen, man. <laughs> I don't know nothing about editing. I just know how to jaw jack. <laughs> it legitimately like takes three hours for every hour we record. Oy so it's like the difference of three hours of work or six hours of work for me. Oof. That's like homework. That's like school homework. Yeah. For every hour of classroom time, plan oh on God. doing at least two hours of homework. Remember I told you about my stress dreams? No. What? I have stress dreams about being in school. This Still? is like my go-to stress dream is it's like senior year. It's the last semester. It's like mm, a week or two before graduation. And I remember that I forgot to it's like either like go to class, like I just didn't go to class or I didn't write a paper. Or I didn't read a book. But the one that's most often is I forget to drop a class. Oh, shit. So I'm like enrolled in some like, it's usually like an English class. Like some sort of like class where I'm supposed to be reading something. Just credit overload. And I realized like a week, with like a week left, like, hey, I haven't attended this semester long class <laughs> at all. Shit. And I have to write a 20 page paper on this book that I haven't read. And if I don't do it, then I don't graduate. Uh, that's like literally like my stress dream uh, you wake up just in a cold sweat yeah i gotta do the paper i gotta do the paper and sometimes i legitimately wake up and i'm like shit did i was that real am i gonna like get a call like at some point from it oh we have to take back your degree uh, it turns out you didn't actually graduate with enough credits i'm not a lawyer after all <laughs> it's just all a yeah dream. no seriously oh god that'd be terrible seriously i don't like that dream at it's all it's usually man. like a bachelor it's, it's like college so then like the, it's like well they would take my bachelor's degree but to get a law degree, to get a business degree, you have to have a bachelor's degree. Yeah. So it's like it's just like a whole cascade. Oh, yeah. It just, just collapses in on itself, just it, like Crater Lake. Oh, the entire Beeler saga just That's that's how we bring this whole show full circle. Oh, so stressful. It's a weird it's a weird thing. So yeah, don't bring up going back to school with me. That's Frankie, man. That's all I'm doing now. That's, that's all I'm like crazy I, I keep having dreams about it. I just study all day. Do you have dreams about like the content? Do you have dreams of of like becoming a realtor? Like what's yeah? What's my, your dream? my dream is my nightmare is failing that fucking test that I'm going to take in a couple of weeks. Well, I mean that's very real. That's a ugh, don't sh- don't put that in the universe, <laughs> Jensen. Oh, take it back. Take it back. Take, take it back. back. Take it, Coda. Eat it all. <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean that that makes sense though. Like you've got a thing coming up. It's a big deal in your life. You're, you're obviously going to be stressed out about it. Yeah. Having a stress dream about it makes total sense. I feel like mine makes no sense. And, that, and the fact that it was Well, like but think of how many years, years you went to school, though. I that shit was ingrained in your head. Like, it is it is chiseled into the very I, being of you. I think also, too, if I'm really honest, I legitimately think that they fucked up the math on my undergraduate <laughs> degree. Because I was like... Did, did you walk across the aisle like, okay. No, because I, I kind of remember like last quarter, like, oh, no, you only need to take uh, 17 credits. And I was like, uh, I thought I had to take 19. I don't think that I, math's I like, correct, but I'm not like going to argue with you. I sat down and did the math, and I thought I had to do 19, and you're telling me I only have to do 17? Are you sure? Listen, if somebody gives you I'm a motorcycle part for 50% off, and it's not supposed to be 50% off, you yeah. fucking buy it. Yeah. <laughs> but but this is the equivalent of like having the dream where like they walk into our, uh, you drastically going to pay for that car, so we're going to have to repo <laughs> it for you. Yeah. You weren't supposed to get as good of a deal as you were. Listen, the lawyer and you should be like, no, nah, y'all signed on the fucking dotted lines too, so go fuck yourself. No one signed anything and get that degree. I mean, they signed the degree itself, but I don't know. It's a weird. <laughs> I just love the idea of you brain, walking man. through the the graduation ceremony. Like, are you guys sure? Jensen Beeler? Uh, yeah. Okay. Is Jensen Beeler, you sure? I think Coda thinks you're going to go camping and she's ready. Yeah, she's, she's checking everything out. That, like that must be a sign that we're done. I think so, too. 
Uh, well, this has been a good semi-brief talk with you, sir. That was almost about motorcycles. We kind of talked a little about, about, about bikes. I think next time will be a little bit more newsy. We've got we got some good stories that we're simmering on. We'll have some stuff happen to us. Uh, Maybe we should catch up before we do a show so we can get the other shit out of the system. We'll give like a burger or something. Oh, you want to get a burger? I love that hungry. burger. Let's go get a burger. We're like right now? Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, we better go then. <laughs> well, <all right> well. <laughs> good talk. I'll see you out there. Safety third. <laughs> Bye. almost never a weekly podcast we haven't seen each other in a month almost yeah at least we're gonna cut that out <laughs> it's just depressing <laughs> it's just depressing <laughs> <sighs>